Hello, and welcome to Clean Farm Pod, a podcast for clinical pharmacology and therapeutics produced in association with Wiley. In this episode, I interview Stuart McLeod from BC Children's Hospital in British Columbia, Canada. Dr. McLeod, it's great to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Well, uh, I'm uh, grateful to have the opportunity to do this, uh, to talk about an important uh, uh, subject, which is the development of better, innovative therapies for uh, children with diseases of all kinds in all parts of the world. All right, so let's get right into the questions. What are the key challenges to the global pursuit of improved and innovative medicines for children? Well, I, I suppose the, the the number one challenge is the fact that there aren't enough uh, qualified experts in the world uh, to deal with all of the challenges of developing innovative therapies for children. Uh, and clearly this is important. Uh, there are now uh, almost 2 billion children under the age of 14 in the world, uh, and uh, uh, quite definitely they do not uh, have uh, access to enough uh, modern, innovative, and well-validated therapies for, for treating their diseases. Um, the problem is compounded to some degree by the fact that uh, that uh, the children, uh, the majority of the children in the world are living in low and middle-income countries uh, a long way from North America and Europe and, uh, and a few other countries where um, where we have the economic resources um, that would at least permit us to, to get to get going on developing uh, better, better therapies uh, for, for children. So uh, most of the children in the world are in uh, Africa and Asia and Latin America, uh, and uh, most of the uh, relevant researchers are located in uh, uh, in North America, Europe, Japan, Australia, uh, and a few countries of that sort. Um, Another part of the problem is that uh, there are only a very few countries in the world that have recognized uh, this issue as as being a public health priority. So we have we have some uh, legislation in the United States, uh, in uh, the European Community, uh, and now uh, and now coming online in China that that will encourage the kind of research that's needed, uh, but. Uh, uh, but still, most areas of the world are not uh, not covered by any government uh, policies. And I suppose finally, the, the 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 real problem is that most of the clinicians who look after children have gotten have grown familiar with the situation that we're in. That is a situation where we often make therapeutic decisions uh, without having. Uh, research data to support what we're doing, um, and for the most part, that works reasonably well. Uh, we 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 uh, we make sensible decisions based on uh, on incomplete knowledge, um, but by and large, uh, children do well with with the treatments that we're using. So so they're uh, in the minds of of some. Uh, there is no compelling argument for investing a lot of uh, money in this uh, in this uh, area, even though it seems obvious that it should be seen as a as a global health priority. 
Okay, the next question is a two-part question. What is the current state of human resources available to meet these challenges in pediatric specialties, clinical pharmacology, and clinical pharmacy? And are they appropriately distributed to serve the needs of children in low- and middle-income countries? Well, uh, I think to some extent I already commented on this, but uh, it clearly uh, we do not have adequate human resources for the, the, uh, to address the research needs that are uh, in front of us in pediatric pharmacology, uh, and what resources we do have are maldistributed. So they're primarily located in high-income countries, whereas the greatest needs are in low- and middle-income countries. Uh, we we have we do have a, a worldwide commitment. Uh, in the form of the United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals uh, for the uh, for the 15 years from 2016 to 2030, uh, that calls for better uh, better drug therapy for women and children. There's part of the program called Every Woman, Every Child. Um, so we have this commitment uh, that's been pretty much universally accepted. Uh, but we don't have the human resources uh, necessary to uh, uh, to meet those research requirements. We did uh, in uh, last year we did a actually did a survey attempting to find out how many uh, researchers there are that could be engaged in this task, uh, and the results were not very encouraging. We uh, uh, with a considerable amount of effort we eventually identified about 500 uh, individuals who saw this as a primary commitment in their professional lives. Uh, of those 500, um, about 36% were medically qualified and about 45% were uh, qualified in pharmacy. And about a third of them overall, both medical people and pharmacy people, uh, uh, had uh, doctoral degrees in, in areas of research that were uh, relevant to, to to this issue of validating therapies for children, um, so there, there there is a nucleus of people, uh, but unfortunately, as I've already said, 87% of them are concentrated in high-income countries, uh, and only a very small minority uh, in in other areas. So there are. Uh, there are some major shortfalls in the in the uh, in the research world, um, particularly in fields like neonatology, critical care, mental health, um, treatment of rare disorders, that sort of thing. Uh, the situation is a little bit better in infectious disease and tropical diseases, um, where we have quite a number of researchers who have have been uh, studying better antibiotic uh, treatments, uh, better treatment for malaria, better treatment for uh, HIV, uh, and so forth, uh, and better use of uh, vaccines. Uh, but that's, uh, we haven't so far managed to translate what we've learned in those fields in, into better investigation of other kinds of therapy for children. Another question, what improvements are needed in the international clinical trial environment in order to meet the needs of the world's children for improved and innovative therapies? 
Well, I, I think the, the most important thing that is needed is uh, recognition by the people involved in drug discovery that this is an important area that they should be working in. Uh, that really means the drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry, um, who for the most part have not focused their, their interests on low and middle income uh, countries. So unquestionably we need more investment in the study of uh, treatments for tropical diseases and uh, what are called neglected diseases that are usually found in, uh, in tropical countries or in low income countries. And we need more people that are, who are trained uh, to study innovative therapies under the conditions that prevail uh, in these, uh, these low-income countries. Uh, so I think, in essence, we, what I'm saying is we, we need a, a, a particular team of clinical researchers who are trained, who are, are trained specifically to work in, in these low-income uh, settings, and we need them to be supported by some kind of public-private partnership that that uh, brings the interests of the pharmaceutical industry in line with the uh, interests of the of the clinicians. Okay, so what changes are needed affecting clinical organizations, professional research networks, and regulatory authorities in order to ensure optimal international collaboration on key issues? Well, I think most importantly, we need better coordination of uh, of efforts that are being made by all kinds of international organizations. I mean, there are there are some success stories, but but they're somewhat fractionated uh, at the moment. Uh, um, there is no kind of a coherent uh, global plan uh, which brings together all of the necessary uh, partners, including the uh, uh, international organizations, including uh, academic centers, uh, including the pharmaceutical industry, and including uh, governments. And governments have an important role to play because ultimately they're responsible for the regulation of new therapies. So unless they have the ability to, um, to, to regulate uh, a new treatment, uh, to look at it and validate it and approve it, uh, then it's never going to be made available. Uh, in uh, particularly uh, in these more poorly resourced uh, countries, I think there's a huge responsibility for uh, for medical schools. Uh, there are about 2,000 medical schools in the world uh, today, but by my estimation, few, fewer than 200 of them uh, really have capacity to study uh, new treatment approaches in children. Um, in a way that would lead to better validation, better availability of, uh, of, um, of new therapies. So the medical schools need to recognize the problem and, uh, and uh, make a commitment to, to, to tackling it. And then we need, I do think we need leadership from you know, some international organizations that, uh, that uh, have a commitment to children. Organizations like UNICEF, or Save the Children Fund, or even organizations like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Many of these organizations are interested in improving the supply of drugs, 
in, in low-income countries. Uh, but very few of them have made any major effort to improve the research that you have to have to, to support better drug therapy, particularly in these uh, low-income situations. What policy innovations would be needed to meet future international needs in pediatric clinical pharmacology and clinical pharmacy, in education, in pharmaceutical science, for example, the development of formulations, and in research? Well, let me take those in order. I, I, I think in, in education, uh, probably the greatest challenge is in, uh, in creating a system for training the kind of individuals I've been talking about who are needed to do clinical research, especially in these uh, low-income uh, countries. Um, but there's also a need for improvements uh, in medical education or other health professional education more generally, uh, just to make sure that the information that we do have about how best to treat these children is made available to undergraduate students, and that this is, is emphasized in some kind of uh, standardized curriculum uh, in, both, uh, in both pharmacology, med medical pharmacology, and, and pharmacy. Uh, any success in this area, to my mind, is going to depend on um, us achieving a greater amount of north-south collaboration, uh, academic institutions in, in highly developed countries are going to need to reach out to uh, their counterparts in, in poorer countries. Uh, and, and I think a lot of our success is going to depend on, on improving our abilities uh, to use computer-assisted learning, uh, to use telemedicine, to make the learning resources that are available uh, in, in developed countries um, more accessible to, to poorer countries. In, in pharmaceutical science, uh, in pediatrics, I think the major uh, issue is, in, is the need to improve the availability of child-friendly formulations. Uh, so we have you know, many, many drugs that have never been produced in a form that's acceptable for use in young children. Uh, and even when there has been some effort, uh, often the mistake has been made of developing, say, complicated liquid formulations that are very hard to transport, uh, very hard to keep stable in the tropical environment. So we need new kinds of formulations that will be suitable for all ages of children uh, and, and that will be stable in a variety of climatic uh, conditions. Uh, we have to realize that many of the children who are needing drug therapy are located in villages, uh, perhaps without electricity, often without clean water. So there are, are real problems in uh, finding innovative formulations. Uh, and we need a more concentrated effort uh, to do that. In the in the research field, I, I as I've already alluded to, I, I think the the major challenge is uh, is to improve our ability to conduct clinical trials 
that are suitable for uh, execution in a, a child population. And we have to realize, of course, that you know, children are not a, a single population. It ranges from you know, uh, low birth weight infants, uh, neonates who may weigh as little as 1,000 grams, uh, up to uh, adolescents who are essentially uh, adults. Um, and then again, then you have the added you know, problem that I've been talking about of, of uh, trying to design clinical trials that can be conducted uh, in in a low resource setting, maybe in a rural clinic or a small hospital in a, a rural area, uh, and uh, this requires a whole new uh, approach, uh, a whole new approach to the design of the clinical trials. Uh, and, and part of all this has to be a, a careful effort to engage with the drug regulators to work with the drug regulatory system so that you know that once the trial is completed, uh, the results will be accepted by the, uh, by, by the government in the country in question. And, uh, uh, that, that, uh, that is going to, again, is going to require a lot of support from uh, highly developed countries extended to uh, their counterparts in, in the developing world. Hopefully that happens. Um, okay, and finally, are there examples of promising initiatives and progress are on the horizon? For example, in global health research uh, within the World Health Organization in the U.S. and Europe or in China? Well, I think there's, there's, there's some good news and some bad news. Uh, uh, there are uh, most certainly some success stories that, uh, that we can look at in the, in the last uh, 10 or 15 years. Um, we have had some global leadership in research provided by by funding organizations like the Wellcome Trust in the UK, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in the uh, in the US and internationally. We've had some very specific efforts made around uh, malaria with with some success, uh, really led by the uh, for the most part from the World Health Organization. Uh, I think we've had really good progress in uh, in the treatment of HIV, um, but the but the success stories are sporadic, and I'd have to say that much of the emphasis has been placed on improving the supply of drugs uh, rather than on conducting the research that you need to identify better innovative approaches. Uh, to to, uh, to treatment, so um, so we're doing all right, but we could do better, and uh, we could certainly do a lot better uh, in uh, uh, in developing countries. But in order for that to happen, uh, there will have to be uh, some recognition in the high-income countries uh, that this is an important uh, issue, and that really means that there will have to be. Uh, emphasis placed by the pharmaceutical industry uh, on the importance of uh, this kind of activity. Uh, I should mention that the, the World Health Organization over the last 10 years uh, did has had a program called uh, Make Medicines Child Size, and under that program they introduced a, an essential medicines list for children, 
which is uh, now into its fifth edition. Uh, they've produced a, a formulary which gives guidance on how to use drugs in children. Uh, and they've placed a lot of emphasis, a lot of emphasis on uh, standardized treatment goals. Uh, so uh, this, uh, if you put together an essential medicines list with standardized treatment approaches uh, in a developing country, that's, uh, that takes you a long way toward improving uh, overall uh, drug therapy. I mean, the most important, the best examples of progress uh, really come from, again, from highly developed countries uh, where the United States started, uh, started at least 15 years ago uh, to, develop, uh, to, to develop a specific program to, uh, to provide incentives for people to develop uh, better therapies uh, for children. And they emphasized, in particular, uh, looking at uh, off-patent therapies that had never been properly uh, studied in children. The Europeans have taken a slightly different approach in the last decade, and they've emphasized um, a, a, a program to convince uh, pharmaceutical companies right from the beginning uh, that they should initiate trials in children uh, rather than just going forward with adult approval and then adding children as, a, as an afterthought. But at the end of the day, what we, really, uh, what we really need is a global plan, a global action plan that will bring together the efforts of clinical organizations, advocacy organizations, governments, uh, and the pharmaceutical industry uh, to identify promising new therapies and find ways of getting them studied appropriately where they're going to be used. Well, thank you so much for the enlightening interview, Dr. Mathai. Very much appreciated. I'm sure our listeners will too. Well, thanks for the opportunity to do this. That was Stuart McLeod, and you can find his article at onlinelibrary.wiley.com. I'm Dennis Velasco. Thank you for listening.